and we are we are live wonderful so today on lifestyle medicine i've got my dear friend malik busby malik and i we met godman when did we actually meet how many years back was it 2003 yeah something like that yeah we knew each other from sns we were working at the sns natural food store in chico so i've i've known malik for god some years now and Malik has had some pretty cool threads throughout his, just your life, man. I've always been like, I, I like what you've done. And then, and then the things that you have done have spoken to me and actually been a piece of how I've framed some of the stuff I do, which I appreciate. So um, today with Malik, I wanted to talk about how many, Mo, how many uh, years did you bounce in Oakland total? Uh, it was about six years. Okay. Six years. Yeah. Okay. So that life, piece. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit <laughs> enough to be <laughs> to have some good stories. So for everyone listening, that the pieces that I, like when I wanted to get Malik on here today was talking about his his path with that, um, some of his music and his passion for that, and then also some of your outdoor education, the stuff that you've done with uh, with youth, working outdoors with kids and stuff, because I think that's really important. So why don't you give um, yeah give my listeners just a little background to Malik so they know who they're dealing with, and then from there we'll kind of dive into your all of your interesting stuff. Yeah. So yeah, anytime I am asked to write some kind of bio about myself, which is, you know, you're always apprehensive about doing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> for sure. If you're, you know, but, um, I always say, uh, Jack of all trades, master of some, you yeah. know? Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I, so to go way back to when I was 18 years old, I read out of high school, um, I'm a Bay Area brat. I grew up in the in the East Bay, you know. Um, born in San Francisco and, and moved to the East Bay when I was an infant. But uh, yeah, after high school, I reluctantly moved down to Santa Cruz with my high school sweetheart, your old stomping grounds. Yep. That was 93. Um, and I needed a job. I was basically sleeping on the porch of my girlfriend's aunt's house in SoCal in the middle of nowhere, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I just hit the ground and, and started looking for work and about a month into it. Uh, yeah. And that was the summer of 93, about a month into it. Um, the California conservation Corps got a hold of me. So I got right into that work cause I needed a job. Yeah. And, uh, what was their slogan? Um, the toughest job you'll ever love. Well, that was the one our our crew came up with. But uh, hard work, low pay, miserable conditions, and more. That was <laughs> their slogan and is to the, this day. Wow. So, yeah, I, I got on a crew. I started um, on the residential crew with uh, out of Santa Cruz. And then I moved over to Elkhorn Slough uh, Fish and Bird Reservation, um, which was a one-crew center, really tight niche. There were just a few people. I did that in December of 93. There were just a few people there. We were a residential crew. We lived together. And then all these backcountry people started entering the crew. Uh -huh. So we became bigger. And the, these people worked really, really hard. So I was lazy at that point. And then all these kind of OGs that were like two or three years older than me came in. And they started um, schooling me on work yeah. ethic. And, yeah. you know. Because they were in the middle of nowhere in like Kings Canyon, Sierra, you know, the whole Sierra range just doing gnarly trail work where they were like blasting rocks and, um, you know, setting stone 
you know, yeah. structures that would last forever. So right, right. Um, they rolled on the crew. We started working 10, f- four 10-hour days going to Henry Coe State Park and building all new trail. We did about five miles of the China trail system there, uh, China Hole trail system. Um, and then I, after that, I moved to Chico to take a year extension. They had a fire academy in Megalia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went up there in 94. In the CCC, though, I got oil spill trained, and I went down to two oil spills and helped out with that. So just to give you a background about my yeah. conservation, like right out of high school, but my mom raised me to always appreciate nature and also um be in your own space wherever you're at it's your space especially wilderness like this is yours too um so we were always camping and roughing it and stuff like that so yeah um that wasn't really new to me and 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 having outdoor ethics and things of that nature but sure you know um yeah i moved up to Megalia and what uh, I realized quickly was that, you know, I was heavily into music. I, I got into piano when I was really young, but I really got into guitar when I started hearing Metallica's, you know, black album, Enter Sandman. <laughs> so uh, I moved to Megalia and uh, quickly realized that I didn't want to be a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I, I deposited myself in Chico with nothing but... Um, a work ethic, a broken heart, and a lot of, like, music to play, you know? Yeah, and good tools. Chico, as you know, has just an amazing music scene. Um, that it does. So I got really wrapped up into that. Um, I tried to go to school and work and have a social life all at the same time. And, you know, school was a bit harder for me. Um, so to those listeners out there, <laughs> school's not for everybody. <laughs> And I'm proof of it. So, here we go, dude. Man, I I can relate, man. It, it, funny, man, because I've been I was in school my whole life, pretty much up till 32, and it was really difficult for me, man. I've never been a natural student. Like even when I'm, you know, got all my ducks in a row, I'm usually sort of a C plus B minus student. Like it's just not my natural forte. You know, I thought about quitting many times. Believe me. Um, right. Well, the thing that I think when I originally wanted to get you on here. There were some threads that you and I have shared over the years that have always, we've, we've led such different paths, but there's so much crossover. There's so much similarity between the things that we like. And I think the thing that I've always loved about you and that you've showed me over the years is that, you know, I've studied Chinese medicine and this kind of stuff and, you know, and I'm like pitching feng shui to people and to businesses and things. And then, you know, when you would just talk about the real time living experience of just being outdoors all the time, you know, working with youth, doing these things, being involved in conservationism. I thought, well, you you know, you're, you're sort of living feng shui lifestyle as it is, right? You're just being connected to the elements. And, you know, we had such right. dif- we had such different languaging around it, but the message was the same, just this tremendous importance of, of how much yeah. we need to be outside and we need to be getting into water and getting sunlight. And so all these things, you know, that was a, the thread, at least for me, that always resonated. And then, you and I are both artists at heart. You know, you're a you're a diehard musician. You know, you've been for, you know, pretty much your whole life. And I've done, you know, sculpture, ceramics, and martial arts. You know, it's been kind of my my art. And then, um, you know, the mindset piece. We we got into this talk so many times about the the psyche that that you use. 
in martial arts and then also the way I saw it, and maybe you can flush this out for me, but I sort of saw, you know, your, your bouncing years is sort of your, a lot of your martial training too, because that's a, that's a place where you, you might have to get into some pretty sticky situations. But I was always struck by some of the things that you said, and that's what I want to like talk about and extract and open up for the audience, which was this mindset piece about how mm-hmm. you navigated bouncing in one of the roughest areas in California, I mean, in, in Oakland, in the roughest parts of Oakland, and then how you would tell me these things, um, and I had heard this from other bouncers too, that at least the ones that were well-tempered, that it was, you know, a lot, a lot of it is about the mental gung fu game. It's about body language. It's mm-hmm. about eye contact. It's mm-hmm. about psychology, tone of voice. And yeah. then the majority of bouncing is that. And then there's, there's, there's that, you know, maybe 10% or maybe a little more in Oakland, but that is actually physical. But mm-hmm. you would you would said to me years back, if you're relying on the physical part to like be a good bouncer, you're probably doing it wrong. And then I heard other yeah. people say that same kind of thing in different ways. But I would love to hear about, you know, how you got into bouncing that in Oakland yeah. and then how it helped you and like what it did for you in life, you know, outside of the training ground of the dojo of bars. What? Yeah. What did you kind of extract from that as you were living your life and what did it? Yeah, what did it teach you? What did it school you on? Because I've always loved that that conversation. I think other people would like to hear about it too. Oh man, um, let, let, very. <laughs> let me unpack this. Yeah. So before before I talk about what an engaging question, and thanks for having me on. And of course, and, man. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, I I love how you frame questions because you really. Thanks, you know, man. I could talk for hours now for that, <laughs> for that one question. But yeah, yeah. to like kind of go back, I couldn't give uh, bouncing in Oakland credit without giving Chico credit because that's where I cut my teeth bouncing mm. at Duffy's. Oh, that's and right. On Maine. That's right. You know? I remember that. So, so um, to kind of go back, all you know, to also having um, a mindset of awareness. Um, comes from when I lived in Richmond, California, in the hood, you know, in North Richmond on 16th mm-hmm. and Chancellor. Uh, me and my mom lived in a house for about three and a half, three and a half years or so. Um, in like, at the time of the crack epidemic, when wow. it was, it was, yeah, you didn't want to live there. I lived yeah. in the Iron Triangle, you know, mm-hmm. look it up. Like, <laughs> it's, it was yeah, rough. gnarly back then. You know, but I didn't associate with any of the, I did. I was a shut in. I just locked myself in. But, uh, you know, so already I have to have a street smart mindset to get around the, the gangs and the activity around that area. But, and this was like 90 through 92, 93 about, um, right before I, you know, graduated. But, uh. Um, yeah, so first and foremost, like, I had to have, you know, street smarts. Even to, e- even to begin yeah. this process, right? You have to yeah. have some framework that way. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I already knew how to keep my head on a swivel, and, and I'm just naturally that way. You know, I'm mm-hmm. naturally the person who can slow shit down in the, in the, in the fight or flight matrix moments and mm-hmm. be like, oh, we need to do this. Yeah. You know, let's go there. Or, you know, I've just always been that way 
since I can remember, since yeah. I was a kid, you know. Um, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but uh, yeah, to, to go back to bouncing in Oakland, um, it, uh, yeah, I, I cut my teeth at Duffy's, uh, not for very long. The guy who I was working under was not the kind of person you want to learn from. I'll just put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so our personalities clashed and I didn't last long there. And then uh, Lost on Main opened up. Some people suggested I apply. That's where I learned squad based, you know, yep. bouncing. Um, and d- I was, defi- my, Mo, def- define that for the people listening, squad based uh, bouncing, because yeah, I don't so, even know what that means. So, yeah, <laughs> you sh- people probably want to know. So, your typical nightclub uh, situation where you have more than one guy at the door, you know, mm-hmm. you have somebody watching the door, maybe two people. Um, maybe even three or four patting you down if it's like that. And then inside you'll have a bunch of people just kind of sweeping, either holding one security area or you'll have sweepers just kind of roaming around. Right. Um, you know, picking up glasses and keeping an eye on stuff, you know. So safe to say that it's a, it's a team of bouncers yeah. essentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Got it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's where... That's where some of the most gnarly shit starting bouncing off happened. Yeah. You know, as far yep. as my career, the most gnarly shit, of course, happened in Oakland. But yeah, there are some, some, some interesting things that happened in, in Chico. As you know, people like to brawl in Chico, at least back then. Yeah, um, I know. There were scrappers for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it was a lot of that. Um, eventually, they made me head of security at Lost Main because I was the, the cool, mild tempered person there yeah (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah i had uh some situations where i even had to um you know uh kick my bouncers out because they weren't doing their job right you know so yeah is a lot of like learning the ropes um and there's a great show that vin diesel did i think called the ropes which really outlines um that whole uh like the squad based you know yeah it, it has all the tropes i was laughing my ass off yeah that. so um yeah at the same time i was playing in uh, death metal bands you know so uh while i was managing lost on me security and that was an interesting time being in a rock band and being the head of security you know like <laughs> yeah <laughs> so to say the least um, you know uh and Let's see. Yeah, it was about 1997 when I, yeah, I think in 98 when I stopped doing that. And what did I say? 98? 2008. Yeah. Wow. I know what Get you meant. <laughs> Just minus um, 10, add 10. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, um, yeah. So then it was night, yeah, uh, two thousand nine that I moved down to the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, you were down in Santa Cruz. Yep, I remember. I had, I would, I think you know. I had just been there for a few years, and I remember you saying you were go, you'd left Chico, and then yeah. you, you went back, and then then did you you got into bouncing right away, in in Oakland, or did you have some downtime? I actually I started. Uh, so this is, so what had happened was is. Uh, this um 
basically, I had to move to the Bay Area, and I, you know, I needed to get out of Chico. You know, I was 15 years. I was there. Big fish in a small pond was really how I was feeling at that that point. And a friend was like, "Hey, bro, you know, um, I I got a house I'm buying." Like, I'll put you up for a couple months till you get on your feet. You got to get out of that town. He was really supportive. So, yeah. Um, moved down there. Uh, and I was like, I got to get work like pronto. I was broke, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a new club called Deseo opening up in Redwood City. Uh, it was like a, it was like a, a kind of like swank cuban style um modern restaurant slash live music venue but they needed a door guy at a certain point in time because mm-hmm. um you know it was getting a little rowdy and stuff so i got a job doing that they paid fair um you know and yeah that that's where i kind of like got my first role in uh in bouncing in in, in the bay area so then at the same time, I got a job working with kids mm-hmm. uh, with the Student Conservation Association. So you're doing, and it's really you're interesting. doing both, both at the same time. I was doing both at the same time. Uh-huh. So I would like to put a, a, a pause in this and really talk about sure. that whole like power of intention and creating um, creating basically your destiny and what what you want um when i yeah when i moved from from chico to to the bay area it was very much like you know obama was in office we had an economic decline or you know it was a a recession yep and uh it was very not the right time to move you know yeah um and I remember even calling you and being like, man, I'm so stressed. I need to get work. And, you know, for sure. <laughs> like you, you had my back. You really grounded me. Stressful times, you know? man. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I also like when I'm, when I'm, before I moved down, I was like, there's going to be a lot of green jobs in the Bay Area. I just mm-hmm. know it. And uh, I had read Green for All by Van Jones and also um, uh, studied the Ella. Baker Center and, and the work that they were doing trying to, to make green jobs available for everybody, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially like urban green jobs and things like that. So when I moved down, it was uh, it was so fortuitous that I would get a job with SCA um, and and be able to work, you know, in, in the capacity and come back full circle using my talents of teaching kids guitar, you yeah. know, and and also um you know, the trail work from the CCC, the the California Conservation Corps. So Uh uh, I worked that summer as a crew leader, taking kids up in uh, San Mateo National, uh, San Mateo County Parks doing trail restoration uh, with high school kids, which I really clicked with, you know, it was was cool. Yeah. Probably not so much now, but, (laughs) you know. Yeah. Age and stage um, appropriate, though, you know, for where you were. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, I was out. And then when I moved to Oakland, which was after that summer, I got a job. I just rolled up on, I happened to roll up on the manager uh, who had a great judge of character. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh, which is what you need to have. 
and that's where yeah. I started in Oakland to kind of like no uh, put you there if you have any more questions about no know, I, the Oakland. Yeah, no, I do. Um, that's good because it kind of it gives context to where you were, and I, and I mean, it's cool the dichotomy of the different things you're doing. You're like helping kids and also or <laughs> like death metal, helping children, potentially whooping ass in a bar. It's hilarious. But, <laughs> but all these different pieces you got going. But yeah, like, so when you say that, you know, the judge of character, you and I have talked about this um, and it's a skill, you know, when you, what you've said to my wife, you know, you're like, keep your head on a swivel. You know, it's like one of the things where you're like, always just be looking left to right, just in life in general, right? It keeps you safe from mm-hmm. cars. It keeps you safe from rough people in rough areas. But when you say that, you know, the judge of character thing, you know, the guy hired you based off of that meeting you in terms of, I guess the profile characteristics that you would say, like what makes a good balanced bouncer, like the type of person that can actually be put into that position. Um, and hell even, so yeah, I would say the two pronged question, you know, like what attributes, um, in terms of personality and characteristics, you know, like what, what makes them good. And then two physicality, you know, like, does size matter? You know, the guys, you know, small guy, big guy. Yeah, those two things I'd be very curious to hear because I think I have things I want to plug into that. <laughs> yeah. Um, being big helps. Yeah. Um, for me, for yeah. my particular style. Yep. Um, you know, uh, but... And for the people it, listening, man, give your dimensions because people don't know. Um, six foot, almost four. I'm about 260 pounds, yeah. 65 pounds. That's why I always called you tiny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> tiny, um, tiny Mo. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, how you grow into that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, I would say, uh, it all depends. I, I think the number one thing that you need to have is, um, you know, a, a good attitude and disposition on life um first and foremost like you can't be in a bad mood and come and watch the door um yeah if you do are in a bad mood you need to you need to tuck that shit back or you need to do something with it you know meditate do whatever because that's when you make mistakes that's when you end up hurting somebody or somebody hurts you because of because of communication breakdown, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So size, um, I've used it because uh, I've used it in a, a, a sense of body language, um, mm-hmm. a sense of like, uh, yeah, I'm the I'm the dominant person here. I'm the person who, especially. Um, let me let me rewind a little bit. So when I did work in the bay area it was mostly all single door guy um Mm -hmm. and what single door guy is is you are the one the first the last right uh the only the only security um and so if anything goes down it's on you yep you know um and so you can choose to make some allies of your regulars if you're really that trusting i mean there's all kinds of ways to um kind of you know take the pressure off if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. but for the most part yeah you're 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 the dude for 120 to hopefully 200 bucks a night at that time you know right. um so yeah i think that 
uh, with size, yeah, I would use my my size to to make sure people knew. Like for example, um, it'd be eight o'clock when my shift starts. Mm-hmm. Immediately when I walk into the bar, I I I. I, I, it's not like I puff up. I don't puff up. I just yeah. walk how I normally walk. But um, if you could, if you could imagine, I, I, I push my aura out. Yeah. I put my intent out. I, I make sure that everybody knows that I'm in the room, right. and I don't do that by interrupting people's body space or anything like that. But when I walk into the bar, it's my shift about to start. I immediately start walking in. I puff out my aura. I go grab some glasses and start bussing them. So people kind of also know, like, oh, who's this dude? You know, so those people who are aware and maybe they have their head on a swivel, like they could be an ex-Marine or something like that. So they're hyper aware. They see a guy like me come in, you know. So that's why I go and I grab glasses. So Mm -hmm. those folks are also, like, checking for me. And they're like, okay, he must work here, you know. So right. This There's is, this is like, it's the initial, the initial posturing, right? To set the tone. Yeah. Initial posturing. Of, that's a lot of posturing. Yeah. Um, and psychic posturing. Yeah. Right. You know, it's a big part of it that I really haven't talked too much about. Um, but it's now in reflection, you know, having not done door for a number of years now, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was, I was worried for you, man, years back when you would tell me some of these stories, I, I, I supported you in your work. I thought, God, you know, I know you're doing this and you're good at it, but I also thought you're also bouncing in Oakland, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, that's dicey to say the least. So to recap, just back for a second, Mo. So the attributes, size helps, big helps. The attributes of a bouncer though, you said, you know, they have a good attitude in, on, in life in general for the most part. Like they're actually a pretty reasonably tempered person. Yeah. Were, there, were there any other things that you saw over the years as people that were qualified that made them quote unquote good? Um, yeah, yeah. Reasonability, being able to um, uh, have emotional maturity, mm-hmm. like, is a huge one. Like, like if somebody, I've been called every name in the book, spat on, freaking, you name it, you right. know. And being able to um, harness your patience yeah. <laughs> with people. Mm-hmm. on a, a really high level um and through that you know you got to have a lot of compassion not only for them but mostly for yourself <laughs> right right <laughs> how do you process that you know after after a night you know well how i did was i usually have a couple shots yeah to be honest yeah you know? fair and no that, fair enough man you know yeah. but um yeah, to each their own. There was a point that I got into not taking the shot and going and actually swimming a whole freaking hour at three in the morning. Yeah. You know, at the 24 hour fitness because I was so amped up, you know. Right. Um, but yeah, I worked at uh, a lot of different dive bars, if you will, in Oakland. Yep. Um, and then I also worked at a, uh, a kind of like swank um, jazz nightclub called Disco Volante that closed down. That was like, where, that's where I met Karen. She was the singer there, my wife. Yeah. Um, was that the place that, know, was that the place I came with you when we saw The Hobbit so many years ago? Is that where? 
Yeah. I think we made probably. a night. We made a night of it that night. You weren't working, obviously, but I'm pretty sure. Was that it sounds so familiar? I'm pretty sure that's one of the spots we dropped in on. Yeah, they have the um, the the what was it? Like they had the, yeah, the food's out of control and yeah. they usually have some live jazz man. But that place was great because I it was downtown Oakland. It was an Art Deco building. Yeah, they played really well. Um, I collected money for bands, which you know I'm grinding for bands because I played in bands. Sure. So, um, I always felt really good about that, handing them like a fat wad of money and just having managed all that. The downside of that place was across the street was another spot where, where there were notorious shootings all the time. So people would come running into my place. Right. Trying to seek refuge, you know. Like, <laughs> Help! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. There, that happened that happened once um, Snoop Dogg's pulled his, his, uh, you know, his bus up and no some way. guy wanted to get on and, and didn't, they wouldn't let him on. So he like shot up the side of it. No and everybody way. Everybody freaked out and ran, ran towards Disco Volante. So I, I locked the door. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, that was a good spot. And then I also worked at a, uh, um, I did a bunch of uh, gig, uh, gigs out in San Francisco because I I ended up doing the security detail for the vice president of Google's wedding. Oh, cool. Um, and, yeah, I did it with all these uh, sheriffs and kind of undercover folks. But the people at the club portion of where she had her reception or her, uh, her rehearsal dinner uh-huh. was called Bimbo's, this old school spot where huh. uh, James, James Brown had his last show there really famous spot and so they hired me and i'd go out and do gigs there squad based right but easy gig like no drunk like people yeah. like can you not put your drink there on the on the thing sir thank you oh yeah my bad like it was really that yeah know, san francisco crowd and then they i did a couple of concert um gigs for them out there too they do concert at fort uh fort mason mm-hmm. so quite a, a range of different styles and i always managed to find a fight right before it was about to break up i don't i mean break up a fight right before it was about to happen so I yeah let's let's talk <laughs> let's, let's talk about that because as, as you're going through this this is sort of it helps me frame my questions because i'm thinking about this because i i feel like yeah. i feel like what's good about i feel like if you do like hard style training martial arts right where say you have you have to spar right you like full contact type stuff Yes, there's a risk for injury, but there there are some real time things that you take away that you can't get unless you're in a real, more or less, a realer, a more real situation. Um, with bouncing, it is even more real because you don't know the people and there's actually real physical threat and mm-hmm. it's no holds barred if shit goes down. So, but sort of just, you know, extracting like the medicine from from your bouncing stuff that you've done. As you were talking about that, it made me think, okay, so let's say a person is walking up talk to me about what an ideal what you would call diffusing looks like you know diff- like here's a troubled person coming in here here's the checklist of a b and c that you sort of like your toolkit of things that you're going to you're do to like diffuse this guy and then tell me what a crummy diffusion looks like like this is if you do this you know, like what's the A, B, and C of the other side? Like, if you do this, this, and this, chances are this is going to turn into a physical fight with the guy coming in. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear like your what was what was your formula for, you know, good diffusion, and then what have you seen where it's like, oh, here are the things that will also cause a problem, like you know, as a bouncer, as the bouncer. Yeah. So let me go back to and say that I am not uh, by no means a martial artist, um, but I did take uh, a couple jujitsu classes. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I also. Um, had a, a old hippie, <laughs> an old hippie uh, friend of my mom's taught me some Wing Chun earlier on when I was like 17, 18. So yeah, little stuff in there. Yeah, f- f- fundamentals. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and then and straight up street brawling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but uh, Richmond Richmond so, Kung Fu. <laughs> and, yeah. and Chico. And Chico. You know? <laughs> Chico Fu, right? <laughs> yeah, Chico Fu. Um, yeah, you hang out with a bunch of death metal ruffians for a while, <laughs> see what happens. But uh, so, yeah, to really break that down, um, number one thing for me is body language. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell when somebody's wasted, like, right off the bat. I have that so down now. Yeah. Like, that's well, the first thing I'm looking for is mm-hmm. if I'm watching the door and I'm holding it down, checking IDs, and keeping the party going with uh, with no riffraff, then that's what I'm looking for. The first thing I'm looking for is if you're too fucked up to be in the bar. Right. If you're gonna if you're gonna buy around and then throw up all over the place or right, right, you know, be a, just be a nuisance and a problem. Um, so if you are, uh, um, I I generally just want. I mean, if you're too messed up, I just wouldn't let you in. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, so and, step step one of the diffusion is be aware of the people that are too intoxicated to be there, and just have that body language read right off the bat. That's like your, one of the first things. Yeah, yeah, but I wouldn't go into diffusion quite yet. Okay, okay. Um, it's not about that yet. This is pre this is pre diffusion. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need to be the aggressor right away. Yeah, and recognizing that starts. Yeah, body language. Um. Uh, how they're talking, how they're treating them, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, if they're nonchalantly holding their ID in front of your face, like right in front of your face or just being rude or, you know, you know, um, sometimes, especially men, when you, when you confront them with the, the position of authority, they, you know, instinctually, half the buck you yeah know? posture back sure um and and so it's usually through the id exchange that that happens you know uh and that's when you can kind of source them out and go okay well yeah i'm gonna let this person in but i'm gonna keep my eye on them or you know and again that goes into the id thing like if they have an expired id or something like that there's a fishy reason why usually mm-hmm. you know um that they might have some kind of criminal record and that's why they got they're getting beefed like that's a first sign so there's all of those kinds of like just basic data yes um and systems set up for you to kind of kind of filter and stratify how you're going to um create the party inside right right uh um so yeah i think when it comes to an aggressive situation. Yeah. Um, again, body language. That's where you need to watch for 
foot footfall, people's stance. Usually when people want to take a cold cock at you, which is what they're going to do, they're going to try to do some kind of crazy MMA fucking stance before, you know, shit <laughs> yeah. they watched on TV. Or, yeah. You know, most of the time they're pretty wasted. Um, so it's a lot like a, a video game. You just like kind of see it in the corner of your eye and you're like, okay, let me just, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, or let me, let me, let me move out of the way. <laughs> you know? Right. Or, right. Um, but yeah, there's times when folks, they like to brawl when they're drunk and they're good at it, sure. you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question maybe you can read yeah no that gives me a friend it's like the initial data so and then it was you know the, the your formula for diffusion so let's just say someone things are not going well right you can tell this person is an aggressive type what was your i mean if you had one i know it's going to be case by case but what, yeah. what, were, what were your steps of actual real-time diffusion okay to, to, yes. to, to avoid a physical fight you know yeah. ideally yeah. what did yeah. you do always yeah always so first and foremost verbal mm -hmm. um uh Unless someone is uh, either has supreme narcissist disorder or complete sociopath, yeah, um, or just out of it inebriated, in which case they're not really going to present a challenge. Um, then, if you reason with folks, then most of the time, so you have to come at them from a true place of reasonability. Mm -hmm. Your body language has to be very like. Um, you know, I, very open. Yeah, you're not you're not doing this. Right. You're not. You know, you're you're you're. Ple I've done pleading. Uh, you know. Yeah. Hey, sir. You know, and smiled, and you have to almost be submissive without being submissive, because yeah. in a split second, I'm gonna grab the motherfucker by the eyeball and yank his shit out. You know, and it's that fast. Yep. And I've done it that fast. You know, where I've made that split second decision like fuck he's reaching for something you yep. know yeah and it's go time yeah and it's go time but um yeah so but for the most part yeah I'm, I'm keeping my hands up and i'm very um very open and fluid but i'm also ready to catch anything yeah you know um you should never you should never hold your arms like this you know you're obviously you're not <laughs> quick enough yeah, I would I would listen to people like this a lot. And for people um, people that are yeah. that are not watching, Mo's got his hand on his chin, like he's like he's listening or thinking. So that's the what you were, mm -hmm. what you were just doing, yeah. So sort of taking the showing the physical posture of actually listening to them. Yeah, but yeah. I'm also protecting my chin. Right, your hands in front of your face. Right, it's ready to yeah. ready to block. You and I had that conversation years back. We were camping, I believe. Might have been at my bachelor party, my uh, my bachelor yeah. camping trip. And uh, we talked about, actually, you know, it's funny because we were on the conversation of uh, mudras, hand positions, right, for like yoga and body posturing that people would take to not feel depressed or to feel depressed. And then we got into this whole thread about how you said, yeah, you know, it was like putting your hands together in uh, the prayer position when you're talking. And... Um, the sub we talked about that at length, man. We were drinking whiskey around the fire, and you were like, "Yeah, it's it's like it's like the subconscious programming, right? Like when someone goes into prayer, when they put their hands together and they're talking to you, there is that posturing of pleading, like sort of like saying, please don't do this.' And also, you're taking a holy position, right? There's also that thing of it's a peaceful position. 
but your hands are in front of you so they can move quickly if need be, right? They can open up and like deflect or block. So, but I, I always found these strategies interesting because I feel like, again, these, these things that you pick up in these kinds of situations are definitely applicable to your life. You know, even if it's just a shift in attitude or the way you navigate, you know, social situations at work, you know, things that are, you know, conflict resolution more or less, right? You're not, you're not bouncing at the office, but I always thought it was uh, kind of cool that, yeah, that it, that it, it, it's applicable. Yeah. Especially with the new job I have now. Yeah. Right. You know, it's absolutely, Um, and, 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 and working with SEA, it's definitely applicable. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was bouncing, uh, around, you know, uh, the, the, the first wave of millennials while working with the, the Zers. Yeah. You know, at, uh, mm-hmm. in doing conservation. Yeah. Because I would do school year and then summer too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, it, no, it is interesting, man. And going, backtracking a second, that second part to that question that I had for you was, um, you know, what are the things you don't do? What What are the things you've seen maybe bouncers do that are like, yep, if you do that, you're you're pretty much going to get into a fight with this patron. Like you're, like what what's the what's the bad situation look like? What's the what does the bouncer do? What are the the things that like a bouncer would do that would ensure that this is going to get physical, and go go sour? You know. Yeah, I mean, I can't really. Uh, yeah, I've seen and worked with some asshole bouncers that yeah. that are that dude up yeah. front at the door where you're like man you know they're gonna come for you bro yeah like you know yeah you're causing a like, problem um yeah you know like like and and um and nothing ever happens to them you know yeah uh every once in a while you know they'll get into something with with a patron they rub the wrong way but yeah uh it, I think a lot of it's like, you know, this is really cheesy, but and you can consult with your other bouncer friends about this. But well, I don't, I don't, me, I don't, I don't know many, man. It, it was just, you know, the, the, <laughs> you're my closest bouncer friend for sure, you know, but I've talked to others. Um, um, yeah, but. <laughs> but but the really, if you want to insight into what it's it's kind of kind of about, you know, is uh, is is Roadhouse. Um, he, <laughs> yeah. no, he, yeah. he says it best. So, yeah. so I would be considered what he was in that, yeah. um, movie, which is a cooler, yeah. you know, somebody yeah. who, who can, can be cool, cool mannered, cool tempered and, and defuse the situation. But then he says it and the quote is this, um, uh, I think it's, uh, well, it's been a while, um, be nice until it's time not to be nice. Yeah, be nice. I heard be nice was a big threat of his yeah. message in that movie. Yeah. Be nice. Be nice. And, yeah. No, until until it's not time anymore mm-hmm. to be nice, you know. And um, I think that there's some bouncers out there that don't have that. They're, like, yeah. constantly in the be mean, be mm-hmm. mean, be aggressive, um, you know. Uh there's a that's a whole conversation uh, into psychology. I'm not really, yeah. I, 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 I've thought about that enough in my life. Let me just put it that way, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's. I would say number one, you, you know, like if you if you're ultra aggressive, uh, problem with folks. 
um, problem. If you are bouncing because you like to fight, um, probably not good for the business. Yeah. You know, uh, also, um, yeah, just uh, like I kind of said earlier, if you can get somebody to cover your shift and if you're going through some some personal things mm-hmm. and, and you don't have the wherewithal to like be emotionally secure and, and tuck your, your personal problems aside, then because um, not everybody I was doing this five, six nights a week at times, you know, yeah. uh, just out of just out of just. Well, not really out of survival, but more like I was just in a grinding frame of life in my yeah. late thirties, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that yeah. whole last five years of my thirties. So, um, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I would just say those kind of are the major things. Um, and also I think that if you're a martial artist, there's definitely a place for you as a bouncer. Mm-hmm. But you you shouldn't go into it thinking I'm gonna practice my my arts my martial arts in this arena with these people who are coming out to just have a good time and most likely just get inebriated and and come out of character you know yeah like if you want to do go practice your martial arts like that like there's mountaintops. And <laughs> there's, you know, like I, yeah. I just, or there's, you know, there's, there's the service for sure. You know? For sure. No, that, that's, um, that's a good, that's a good way to, to frame it. Um, you know, years back when we were in Chico and you were, I think it was either before you got the job at lost on Maine, mm-hmm. you were the owner named, uh, Tyler. I think that was his yeah. name, Tyler. Right. So t- Tyler, was I think he had a relative like his aunt was very close friends or was a student of my uh school instructor Chuck Duran mm-hmm. so Chuck knew Tyler and then like and they might have even had a family connection or something but it was a it was a thing and I think at some point Tyler was talking to Chuck and then Tyler came to me and said would you like to be a a, a bouncer at Lost on Main and I remember being asked that question and just the question alone was nerve wracking as shit, you know, for, for, for a bunch of different reasons. But I thought, you know, in the end it was a pretty simple no for me. I I just don't have, I mean, I think, you know, I talked to Chuck about it and he's like, you could probably do it because you'd be unassuming. He's like, it would be, you know, you'd be probably good at it in that way. But I also just wrestled with the whole idea of potentially having to hurt someone that was like, Oh, I just, I don't even want to, it's just not a dynamic I want to play with. But um, I remember just being asked the question in the psychology immediately, like for weeks after that, I remember thinking like, it would be good for me though, just to also kind of have that exposure to like being in those situations. You know, it was very tempting in a way to like go explore it. And, um, you know, just a, a piece to what you said, it's really interesting. You know, you're saying that, um, you know, if you're, if you're hyper aggressive or if you're going to the testing grounds, you know, here at the bar to kind of use your martial arts, you know, um, the, the founder of, um, of Tung Shadao, the organization that I was a part of for five years, you know, Vince Black, he recently passed away this last February. And um, he was, for years, he was a bouncer at Hell's Angels bars in like the 60s and 70s. Mm. And, I mean, rough, 
rough crowds. Everyone's carrying knives. I mean, there's and there's like groups of guys that are just burly, yeah. big, and different time too. Very different time, you know. And yeah. and Vince, um, you know, he would he he would tell these stories, you know. And I'd heard him over the years when I was, um, you know, training at his headquarters schools school and whatnot in Arizona. And one of the things he said was that was exactly why he went. He it was it's funny because I hear what you're saying. I think that's tremendous merit in that. And and Vince was like just the opposite. He was like, look, he was studying Kaji Kempo and he said, you know, if I I want to know if these arts are valid. So he wasn't going looking for a fight, but he was also putting himself in a very aggressive type situation where most likely he was gonna have to use it and that was his testing ground and he said that's where his Kaji Kempo actually got you know, much improved over those years. Yeah. But it requires a certain type of person, I think, to just put yourself in those situations. And I think it same for you, you know, like it requires a certain amount of, uh, well, in Chinese medicine, a certain amount of liver chi, you know, a certain amount of that, yeah. that liver general energy of just like, yeah, I'll go do this and put myself into harm's way a little bit to, to learn some real time life skills that are, it's not for everybody. You know, it's definitely not for everybody. Yeah. And that's not to discredit, I mean, some brawlers have saved my ass many a time, you know, like just people that people like that like to fight, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but and uh, not to to discredit or or take the win out of anyone else who who does want to go in and sure and practice their art, um, Mm -hmm. their be it their MMA or what have whatever their thing is. Yeah, Um, yeah, I think that it, it, it can be healthy environment um as well as long as you go with the frame of mind of you know that that emotional maturity sure yeah that's really important like am i am i hitting this person because they need to be hit or am i hitting this person because i got some shit that i'm dealing with right no right right that's 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 where i'm coming from with it but um and i've been guilty of that yeah so i'm speaking from a place of 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 um experience um practical experience when i've blown it over somebody who who yeah they said all the wrong the right things yeah right. somebody like to piss, piss somebody like me off who's i consider to be i'm i'm, I'm a very patient person for the yeah, most part you are yeah um but yeah i i i went there and i i opened my hand up on this dude you know yeah so so it, it, it happens. So I'm speaking from a place of um, experience and compassion when I say that, yeah, it's um, it's not for everybody and it's not a long, it's not something that you should do for a very, very, very long time, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, there's some, yeah. there's some truth to that, man. It's that's like that age old saying, right? Um, you know, you dance with the devil long enough, the devil doesn't, or the devil doesn't change, you do, you know? But but yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's something about what you were saying earlier about um, there are certain people who they have to be in the fray. They yeah. have to be in some grimy shit. And I'm, I think for that that part of my life, I was already in it because yeah, because um, I'm just always that natured. Like I'm ready for, for it, you know. Yeah, yeah. But. But um, also, like, I li- where I lived in Oakland was not the nicest neighborhood at all. <laughs> like, You're talking about the wa- the warehouse, right? Yeah. Yeah, the warehouse so was you rough, t- you know, bro. And, 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 and that goes into, like, what you're talking about, about the 
liver and i remember talking to you then and yeah you were like you were like maybe we can tie this in the here but um yeah you were like man you mo you you got way too much yawn going on bro you need to you need soft you need soft some, right now you to counteract some, yeah <laughs> yeah you know and i was like yeah you, you're right i i and i was getting it in, in nature you know right. um but yeah now having not done that a number of years yeah you know my yong now is like playing video games right (laughs) (laughs) well this is the thing that i like man because we had you know we you and i have a a mutual shared interest in like samurai culture and we've talked we've talked about this you know you had your your band with uh with medi which was gypsy samurai right the so which was a great name and we we talked about this you know and that was a thread that i i feel like you know you read the samurai to me even though they were real people in history they also there's all there's there's a mythology to them they almost seem like a it, they could be superheroes from a book you know just their their ethic and the, the bushido code and all these different things but i found it really interesting that you know in modern times we don't have samurai in in america but i like seeing that the threads that say the samurai would would live in their life the principles they would live to maintain harmony i like seeing those types of rhythms in people that i know and that was one of the first things that when when you and i started really hanging out and then when you started bouncing and we had these conversations i was like here's a guy who's putting himself into warrior situations which is you know what bouncing is especially in oakland where the potential of a fight can break out real things can go down people can get hurt and you know, invariably you were, you were playing music and we had these conversations of, yeah, Mo, you're, 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 you're in a fight or flight, high stress state to a, a lot of times bouncing. Cause you've got to be on alert. You're not relaxed. And we talked about that and I said, you know, that's, that's good training, but too much of that, right. Is going to like decay your body. It's going to tax your adrenals. You're going to be wiped out. And without even me having to tell you explicitly from, from Chinese medical medicine theory, you were playing music and you were doing these, um, you know, and you were, you were working on writing songs and you were doing these things. And that was one of the threads that we got into about samurai culture, which was, you know, they were training all these fighting arts, but the samurai were required to become master calligraphers. They had Mm -hmm. to practice Mm -hmm. floral arrangement. They had Mm -hmm. to practice painting. And it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't just arbitrary, like just do this because it was a it was a it was a lifestyle practice to mitigate that really hard edge, and so when I would see you doing these really hard edge things, living in a very rough area, but then fully dropping into your music practice and fully writing songs and singing and getting with people and just and then sometimes playing just some death metal, you know, play, you know, just getting that excess energy out. I thought here it is in real time. Here's a guy, you know, living in in a in a warrior culture you know, for part of his life, but also doing these things instinctively. I mean, I think it's just, I always liked that. I liked seeing that parallel that you were playing music wow. and doing these things at the same time. And they would balance each other out. If you weren't playing music, I, I was more worried for you. If you weren't doing your artistic craft in that way, I thought, yeesh, man, that's like your lifeline. You know, that's going to be um, really important that you keep that up. And usually you did because you loved it, you know. But I, But again, I loved seeing... The connection between those two things i thought yeah here's you know threads out of samurai culture and my buddy's living it you know and maybe yeah. maybe you knew it maybe you didn't i don't know but i think it's relevant uh, to to point out 
thanks, man. I I never really thought of it that way, but I'm honored that you you say that because, <laughs> man, yeah, I guess I guess so, right? And helps, man. Um, I had a thought off of that, and that's that. Uh, you know, yeah, you got to have balance. One, yes, you do. Um, you know, I, I think I'm just n- naturally inclined for that because I'm a wood tiger. You know, yeah. But um, but also, uh, yeah, it's it's a trip because um, I stopped playing music recently. Like I mm-hmm. don't, I I have been recording and doing some things. I got you know my studio back here. I, my yeah, yeah, I can see it. Yeah. But uh, I stopped when I moved in with Karen in the Bay Area mm-hmm. in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lived in uh, El Cerrito, my, my hometown where I grew up. Uh, that was one of my goals in moving back to the Bay Area was to like have that full circle moment, come back to my childhood neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and 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 that that was kind of taken from me through divorce and all that crap. Um, and and I went back and claimed it myself as a grown man, you know. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but I stopped playing music because there was no room for it, what we could afford, you know. Right. Uh, and so I got really into cooking again. Um, yeah. And so that you're speaking my language, son. <laughs> yeah. That that art kind of you know that energy. Yeah. It always has to go somewhere. And so it went into creating meals for for Karen and I. Yeah. Um, you know, basically uh, a lot. I was way into it, you know, um, and still am. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And Such a good skill to have, man. So so important. Just like the samurais, you know, they. It's about balance, but it's also like I think the whole thing about the Japanese culture that really resonated with me was like. Yeah, when they get into something, they absolutely do it to the perfection of their perfection. As best they can. I mean, there was was always that striving for – I've had this conversation with many people. And there – it's funny. There are certain foods that I feel like the samurai spirit comes out more. One of them is eggs because they're so simple to cook. But every time I cook an egg, I'm always trying to do the perfect egg. You know what I mean? I'm I'm making the effort like – how well can I time this? You know, how well, can, how, how, how much salt is just enough, you know, and how much pepper <laughs> is just right. You know, did I, did I burn the butter, you know, like or whatever it is. But I think yeah. it's that, it is that practice, man, those little tiny moments of mm-hmm. just, and food, I mean, fully is an art form and people, when you dialogue with it, I mean, it becomes therapy. I think that's a big piece, man. Like, as you're talking about it, that I, I try to get across to my clients too. And the people, when they're if they're coming to me for help for food guidance, say, mm-hmm. or they just want to learn how to cook just to be more empowered with their dietary dynamics. Mm-hmm. One of the things I, I, I try to get across to people is outside of it being good for you, right? Which a lot of people take as a chore, like, oh, to be good for you, it requires time and work. I'm like, okay, well, fuck that noise. Outside of that, right? If that stresses you out, there's a therapy in just the creative part of cooking, right? Like you're mm-hmm. saying, you know, maybe less music time, but now you're funneling it towards crafting food, right? Flavors, colors, temperatures. It's still playing with a with a palate. You know, it's it's just. But I think it's it's really important to to realize that that those things 
cooking, which has an artistic flair, can be fully medicinal and therapeutic. I can't tell you how many days when I was stressed out in grad school or like I've just had a horrible day, which aren't often. I have most of my days are pretty great. But when I've had a man, sometimes just cooking alone, doing a fatty meal, making dicing, cutting, putting on music. Oh, man. It's like therapy, you know, by the time I get to the meal, I'm unwound. I'm like, okay, I've been cutting stuff, you know, <laughs> I'm sauteing things. I'm like yeah. actively creating something, you know, it's, it's kind of like a sculpture or painting a picture. It's very similar. But um, I, think yeah. people, I think people miss that, you know, with, with lots of things, but I think that it gets overlooked. We should, yeah. you know, taking it into, into account, I think. Absolutely. What have you, um, with the... With the shifting of food, man, what do you notice? Just out of curiosity, like if you're cooking more of your food, what do you notice in terms of your energy and just, yeah, how are things different now that you're cooking your own more of your own food? Um, yeah, well, we kind of went, you know, we were experimenting with different <laughs> diets and all yeah. the crap that's out there. Sure, of course, lot. you know. Uh, um, well, yeah, we we settled on a mild paleo, mm-hmm. you know. Um, like, so for dinner, it's more like a meat and vegetable. Yep. Um, and then, so my carbs are stuff like, uh, you know, oatmeal and, and, uh, berries, right? Yeah. Yep. Or, or, uh, a a wrap, like for, 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 um, lunch, I'll make a a turkey, turkey wrap, Mm -hmm. you know, no cheese, spinach. Yeah. Maybe some hummus, maybe some, um, you know, mayo and, and mustard or something. Yeah. Just really, really light. Basic, uh, yeah. And I snack on, on almonds and dried fruit. So. And in cooking your own a, food, go, go ahead, go ahead. That's assuming I stick with it every single day. <laughs> sure. Oh, of course, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to be human, bro. Sometimes I'm at the taco truck. You know, I'm like, yeah, it's one yeah. of those days. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. And you know, I don't know. Uh, big guy to big guy you know my relationship with food is it, it can be it can be scary sometimes like you oh know. man dude my, yeah. my whole <laughs> life like dude as a kid my name was the great el digesto like in school uh-huh. like they used to, like i mean i because i would sit there and i would eat so much food man i've always had a huge appetite from the time i was a kid like always just a, like a ravenous appetite i could always put mm-hmm. down food and definitely some of it is was like my emotional therapy, you know, a lot of people turn to food for like when they're stressed or when they're bored, you know, some people, some people inject shit into their bodies, you know, for me, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to have a few burgers, you know, that was like my, my way of processing. So, but yeah, man, God, like big guys, you know, it's, I think it's just part of our nature. It's like a, you know, big bear of people. Like they're just like, yeah, they can eat a lot of food cause they're big. But then too, yeah. I mean, it can be a, it's a double-edged sword big time, right? Like it's, I've had to, dude, it's taken me years. It's, it's ongoing evolution. Like I love food and how I've found, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because the way I've, it's part of why I was asking you about your cooking um, thus far is how it changed your relationship to it. But, you know, I've, it's taken me years, man, to to get food dynamics down. And what I've realized, you know, over the years, man, like a big guy like me, you know, kapha by the Ayurveda system and uh, more Taiyong build in Chinese medicine, I'm pretty much spring and summer. I eat one big meal a day. That's about mm-hmm. it's about 2,000 calories in a sitting, and uh, that works for me during the warm seasons. And then in the fall and winter, I'm, you know, 
I have like a four hour eating window maybe and I might have mm-hmm. two thousand calorie meals kind of a thing like I'll, I'll eat twice in a day mm-hmm. or maybe like have an 18 hour fast and have six hours of eating something like that but I, I like I never need to eat three like ever and if yeah. I and if I eat three meals a day even if they're three small ones for the for my frame for like a big frame metabolism person man like I, I will slowly put on weight I will just I'll just pack it on my body is like no don't need it you know yeah. and it's taken me years to figure that out man like it's just in the past few years where I've really started to get it and it's taken a lot of trial and error and I feel like for big guys it's really important that they dialogue with food because I think when you cook your own food and you make your own food your relationship with it changes for one you know you get a better relationship with your food you feel better because you're making it you know what the fuck is in it first of all <laughs> like you know that there's not some bullshit you know crazy food chemical additives but then it gives you um, a leg up, you know, and it, and it gives you room to to see it as an art and a craft and not just a, a you know, and your body's not just a garbage truck. Like, oh, I'm just going to dump in as much as I can, you know, as, yeah. I, as I can possibly consume because it's easy as a big guy, man, fully. I, I can relate 100 percent, man. Like, That's why I always run uh, food stuff by you because yeah. I feel like I feel like, well, you know, plus you're really you're an expert at it but um with with all your practices and how you integrated everything um throughout the years but but also like we have i feel like the same constitution in a oh, lot of ways so a hundred percent man we, we can I'm like, like oh if, that, if that's working for gray maybe i ought to try it you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure man yeah like i can put on weights so easy bro like i, I can and not not muscle i mean I, muscle i'll put on quickly if i lift weights but like i will put on adipose tissue quickly if i just like eat food and get lazy Oh man, like even with like me living the way I do, I'm all, I'm still like a solid framed guy, you know, like it, I yeah. would, it would be a total shit show if I wasn't doing that stuff. So that's just, you know, that's what it is. But, um, well, man, let's, if you don't mind, I would love to segue into, thank you first of all for answering all the, the bouncer questions. Cause I love, po- oh, yeah. I, I love dissecting the psychology. Um, I had a, I had a guy on here, Fabian Melendez, who's a boxer and I love picking his brain about the same kind of stuff. Um, so thank you for that. And then let's talk about your conservation work, the, the stuff yeah. you've done, you know, working with underprivileged youth and getting people mm-hmm. out into the wilderness. So um, I'll kind of field questions to you as we go through this, but mm-hmm. just to give you the framework of what I'm interested in and what I think my audience might be interested in is, right. you know, your background and what you've done with kids. Like what do you actually do when you're doing like mm-hmm. the outdoor education stuff? And then, um, why do you think it's important? Why do you think it's important that, that you know, this outdoor education um, is present in the culture? Like, I would love to hear your thoughts on that because I have my own sentiments, but I would love to hear yours, seeing that you've spent some years, that you, you know, you've done that in the past. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of uh, give it a frame of reference. I, um, yeah, I, I, can, I can speak for myself. Um, and say that I was a kid who got to go to a, a conservation type of camp and mm-hmm. um, as an underprivileged kid or, you know, underserved or whatever they're calling it back then. The sure. day. Um, so, yeah, it was obviously transformative for me because it came back full circle mm-hmm. um, and I came back to do the work. Um, yeah, I, I got the job with the Student Conservation Association, and basically that was 
um, a Monday through Friday uh, gig for about seven weeks in the summer mm -hmm. with various trainings prior to. Um, and they, uh, yeah, it, w it was really like, okay, so Monday through Thursday, we'd work with the kids on some kind of project, you know, be it, East, in that case, it was East Bay Regional Parks or San Mateo County Parks. Okay. We partnered with um, doing anywhere from, yeah, trails to habitat restoration to pooling invasive species, which the kids really don't love doing and trying to find ways to motivate them for that was a whole, <laughs> you know, gambit of, of, of tricks and, yeah. and stuff to have up your sleeve. So, right. um, yeah, so, so they sent me to a training where I learned a lot of that stuff, like different games and different ways to frame the work, um, and manage the crew in mm -hmm. a fun, uh, way. On Fridays, we would do an environmental education day. So we would take them on the hike or to a museum or something around conservation. Got it. Um, they still got paid. We still got paid. It was like a yeah. every Friday, a field trip day, you know? So, right. Um, and when, within that work was where I learned how to um, really learn how to facilitate and um, teach, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it could be anything from like, teaching them financial literacy to, um, you know, teaching them what kind of leader, leader they are like a leadership compass type of activity or, right. you know, so, um, and they give you all the framework and the resources like a binder and things like that for you to mm -hmm. kind of be out there in the field and do that. Give you a, a baseline foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the, in the, uh, and then in the school year when I'd be heavily bouncing, um, I would, meet one weekday a night and then one weekend uh with the kids with my crew and the weekend was like a service project slash camp trip so we got to camp in some of the most uh you know booked up places in the bay area that yeah. you normally couldn't get into because they're so overbooked right um but because we were doing service projects you know partner would let us in yeah um that was great i did that uh for Let's see, I led 10 crews um, the wow. school year and then the summer. So about five, four or five years, mm -hmm. I think. I, mean, uh, I have to go back and look at my records. But then, yeah. you know, they made me, um, uh, you know, as I said, I have no college degree. Mm -hmm. um, but this was a nonprofit and they promoted you based on what, what your merit was, what you right. earned. So, right. Um, and it's called the student conservation association. <laughs> so I was a student in the student conservation. Right, right, right. So, um, eventually they made me a, a coordinator. So mm -hmm. I learned, um, and, and backed up the manager who was running the program. So mm -hmm. I moved into the role of like actually setting up the events and talking to the park partners and all those oh, kinds of things. Um, and really like, I would say that right there, that year of doing that was a, a two-year, two-year, two to four-year degree right there. Oh, Having yeah. to, yeah, um, you know, correspond, email, like do all the things, have that kind of grad school language, yep. if you will. Yep. Um, and then uh, they made me, well, they, they sent me to Leave No Trace Educator School for four days. So um, through the SCM, I'll Leave No Tra Trace Master Educator. Mm -hmm. So I can go and facilitate um the seven principles of leave no trace to folks. 
out in in either in a classroom or in the woods. You if, know, if um, if it's if it's within reason, can you can you list those? What those uh, seven things are? I mean, are? Are they a bullet point thing that you could mention to people, or is it um, the seven uh, primary ideas? Yeah, seven primary ideas. Ooh, put me on the spot, Ray. <laughs> hey, don't fuck up, Mo. <laughs> I am going to fuck this up. No, it's all good. <laughs> it's been a long day. Uh, number number one is plan and prepare ahead. Okay. Right? Okay. Um, leave what you find. Uh, respect wildlife. So don't mess with other uh, critters, things like that. You know, yeah. take a picture. Yep. Leave what you, leave what you find is like, you know, if you see a pretty rock, leave it there. And th- and all of this is based on wilderness um, uh, deemed areas, if you will, mm-hmm. as well. So Got the it. Leave No Trace principles came from how to protect the wilderness, the wilderness. deemed area. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, you know, dispose of waste properly. So that's anywhere from your cat hole to, you know, taking yep. out your crap. It's obvious. Yep. It's all common sense stuff. Yeah. Um camp and hike on durable surfaces Mm -hmm. so don't camp where you're not supposed to Mm -hmm. um don't camp near water you have to be at least i say 200 feet away Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be right there on the water but it's actually bad for habitat um and encroaches on um not only the habitat but like it if if a lot of people do it then that area just becomes yeah kind of you know, overly durable, if you will. Yeah. Uh, um, and then, uh, what are some of the other ones? Well, what do you think they are, Gray? Okay, so you've said uh, like the, tra- <laughs> the trash piece was definitely one of them. Um, you know, leave what you found. That one I was pretty on board with. Um, the camping near water—that's new for me, but that makes sense. Um, yeah. Is there anything about? Well, is there anything about there like tending to fires and stuff? Like yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah, yeah, don't don't leave, you know, hot fires mm-hmm. um going. And then maybe um Yeah, beyond fires, nothing really leaps out at me. Is there anything what what would be the other piece? Is there one left? Uh respect other visitors. Oh, okay. So, that makes yeah. sense. Um and, and that's a wide variety of Everybody recreates differently, you know? For sure. So this part of the conversation, I, you know, a lot of people are going to have opinion on. <laughs> so, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah. Uh, so, that, so yeah, they, they, they allowed me to go and do that. Um, and then um, I saw that the recruiter position was open. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, became the recruiter it was a strenuous interview process it lasted three months um wow but i'm yeah i moved up to recruiter so i was able to work out of the oakland office travel around the country at least the west coast um and go to colleges and talk about uh sca's internship expense paid internship programs oh that's cool and those were like the coolest things i I came from a from a place of like if I were your age I'd have done one of these had I known about them yeah. because there is anything from like um, you know uh, doing doing uh, bat research in caves in Oregon or um, working in the Grand Canyon or you know and it was all expense paid so you're essentially right. you have a summer job in one of these amazing places um, mm-hmm. and it's not out of your pocket we're paying for everything so I was going around 
hyping folks up for about three years, I did that. Um, and that's what allowed me to kind of get out of um, bouncing because yeah. that was a full-time staff position. Right. Um, so I, although I did do it for one more year, I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then, I think um, you had, I mean, you had, you had ties to it, man. It was like, it was a, it was a piece of you, you know, and, and I think it was good for you, you know, in the long run. Yeah. Like it was, I mean, I think it's, like I said, it's, it's good life training, you know, it's good well, real time skills to have. It really leads into what I'm doing now. Like I got hired because of my bouncing at this current position. So we'll get into that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm curious actually. About so that. yeah. So, so, so the, uh, recruitment job led to me coming up here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then me getting the program manager job with mm -hmm. SEA and then, um, SEA had a big force reduction and I was let go because of that. Mm. Uh, and then that's when about four months ago, you heard me, I'm unemployed, but I'm fine. Yeah. I'm getting unemployment. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. I'm going to chill. I'm going <laughs> to hang out and work have a little street. vacation for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, uh, but I applied for this position. I'm working for the Washington trails association now. Um, right when I got let go at SEA, I applied for it. And again, a, f a three month process. Right. Mm -hmm. um, of, of them vetting folks. And I ended up getting the job. And now I've been in it um, about three, almost three months. Yeah. Two and a half months. So, yeah. It's great, man. So, um, yeah, it's no linear path to success, at least for me. Yeah. Dude, me neither. Yeah. It's, I'm always falling ass backwards into things. And usually it works out, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, <laughs> most of the time, like, how did I get here? I'm glad you're all but, happy to see me, but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if I answer your question. Uh, as far as like the being woods being transformative for kids. Yeah. Yeah. Like why, why, why is this stuff important, man? Like, yeah, that, that, that question. Well, I'll tell you this. I can think of at least five kids that I managed. Mm -hmm. One, two, three, four, five, five. <laughs> <laughs> um, they uh, told me straight up it was this common uh, thing that they would say to me is Mo Malik, I feel so safe. I feel safe out here. Wow. You know, I never felt so safe. Mm -hmm. And they were like, yeah, I know. Like, I know there's like maybe ax murderers and, and wolves and, and bears and Bigfoot out here to get me. But, <laughs> but I feel safe and I'd be, I'd want to know why, why do you feel that way? I want to pull it out of mind. Yeah. Why, but, yeah. Um, and they'd just be like, you know, it's, I'm not worried about so-and-so blasting me on the corner block. I'm not worried about getting right. mugged here. I'm not worried about my mom right now. I'm, I'm just, I'm here. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, why don't you, and this is what I do every time. I'm like, why don't you stop working real quick? I want you to take 10 minutes and walk down there by yourself and just listen. Yeah. Listen to your thoughts, but mainly just listen to what what the earth is, is going to tell you. Right. And they were then they'd be like, what do you, you know, they'd be like, what do you mean? And I'm like, that's between you and what you're going to do over there, you know? Right. Like, I don't want to know about it, but that's go right. really, go really get into it, you know? That's, so that's great, man, because that's the that's the whole principle that's pulled from so many contexts and world traditions. Right. Nature as a teacher, go commune, go listen, go be receptive go be bored, you know, in the, yeah. in the woods and let, 
your thoughts ruminate and circulate and percolate and let them do that thing because usually things do bubble to the surface and things unwind and people when they get outside there's it's so damn therapeutic um it's one of the things that i feel like people are just nowadays especially if we live in cities or if we live in a suburb or we have people just don't spend enough time outside you know it's yeah. just not a it's not it's not good um it it's funny when that study came out and they were like, yes, uh, researchers say <laughs> yeah. that it's actually good for good for you to be in nature. It's good for your brain. Yeah, like, no like, shit. <laughs> yeah, I kind of figured that one out when I was three years old. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people are forgetting, though, man. They're inside so much. What do you think? Um, so out, outside of those kids, you know, that said, like, you know, I feel safe out here. Yeah. You know, seeing kids go in, you know, be taken from a city scenario city scene cityscape and then having them being you know put out into the wilderness and you're taking kids out there what are some common things you see in terms of just how they shift emotionally like what do you see in kids when they've been out there like what are are there any common threads to the way people respond after so many days in the woods yeah uh i i definitely number one the boys the ego goes away you know, mm-hmm. um, and usually you could do that just by going on a good gnarly hike. Like eventually yeah. it, it, it just sheds. Um, mm-hmm. but, or just, you know, the, the hike and the work eventually the egos, but you have a lot of icebreakers and games to make people comfortable to feel like they're part of a team. They're part mm-hmm. of a group. Um, uh, I think that it's interesting because, not only with kids, but adults. Cause I, I also was, uh, um, I got so many jobs, bro. Mm-hmm. I was guiding for another organization. Um, when I started to, uh, when I started to, yeah, when I became a coordinator and, and did the recruiting on the weekends in the, uh, season, like, which would be June, uh, like spring, summer, Mm-hmm. Um, I would work for this company called Bay Area Expeditions, which was a for-profit guide organization. We'd take Silicon Valley types who'd never backpacked before up into the woods of Big Sur. Um, I did that for like three seasons. That's cool. Um, And that was a totally different style. You know, these guys were all, um, you know, ex-military dudes. One guy Mm -hmm. worked for the Coast Guard. He was like a wilderness first uh, first aid trainer, you know. Um, So it was a different... Uh, industry, if you will, but uh-huh. still uh, environmental recreation. Um, right. And a couple of those folks, we would take kids out as well uh, with their parents. Um, and it was all kind of the same thing. Eventually, you start to see the kids, like you just said, unravel or unwind and they don't want to look at their phones anymore, and, and the, the the spirit of nature's overcome them. They, they the wonder of of um, of Mother Earth, you yeah. know, of of Gaia, of of the manga, and uh, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah, I do know, man. Um, it really like, especially for those people who've been deprived of it, um, right? Um, and suffer from the deprivation aspect. They really have a sense of, they go in the, um, I would say, yeah, your your inner child really mm-hmm. comes out. I've seen it, you know. And it's funny because younger kids from, the, from, from like 
you know, quote unquote, urban areas, uh, their their front, yeah, they're still wearing their jeans on, tucked down and all that. Yeah, yeah. Front, all of the front goes away, um, and they're they're curious and they're helping each other. Mostly, they're like asking questions and engaged with each other and things like that, right. not like clowning on each other, which is a common thing that kids do to like make themselves feel more comfortable, yeah. you know, um, we do it too. Like adults, it's called tongue in cheek, you know? Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of that. So to answer your question, um, yeah, but then also those adults I would take out, that was kind of interesting as well. Cause <laughs> I'll bet. it would, I'll bet. it would take them out of their comfort zone a little as well, you know? And that's the whole thing is like, that's the point, right? I mean, that's the point. That's the point is yeah. to get what well, I think when people are in nature, right? If you're glamping, it's pretty relaxed, right? You have all of your luxuries, but if you're backpacking or doing anything like that, I think that's the whole therapeutic. It's, it's a controlled extreme in a sense. You're putting yourself into a situation that requ- that's challenging. It's physically demanding. Um, you know, there's usually you're dirty, you're smelling, there's a camaraderie in that. But people, I think typically more often than not, whether they're conscious of it or not, when they get outdoors and they do that kind of thing, people are usually coming back with some kind of element of gratitude of like, boy, things are pretty easy in modern, more modern, you know, uh, context, you know, with climate control environments and we have internet and we have television and comfy couches and there's just so much stuff. And if you get outside for a little bit, I think there's a, there's a certain amount of appreciation that comes out of it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then people are forced you know, scenery changes everything, man. You know, what's happening, we change our visual surroundings too and we don't have the man-made structures everywhere and there's just trees and water and, bre- and the, the sound of the trees moving. I mean, that is very, it reorients you, you know. It, yeah. It's pretty consistent. I mean, that's a common thread you and I both love too is camping, you know, campfires, yeah. you know, drinking whiskey around a fire, eating steaks oh. and, you know, doing all that. It's just like some of the best. You've had those... <laughs> those memes that you put up on Facebook where it's like a house out in the middle of the woods. And it's like, you know, who would live here for, you know, 200 grand for a year with nothing. And you're like, Oh me, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I will do that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a trip. Cause, uh, Oh, what was I going to say off of that? Um, yeah, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely would do that. I need to post more of that and less political stuff. I think these days. <laughs> oh, dude! Get back to my roots. Oh you know? man, God, <laughs> Facebook! What a, you know, what a shit show. Like from the time mm. it started until now. I mean, it's amazing. Like the stuff that I'm always amazed at how, you know, I, I started doing this thing where I don't go on the feed on Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll okay. post my content, and then I just go to my page. And if someone leaves me a comment, I just go to the comment on my thing. And occasionally, I'm not. I'm not saying never, but like for the most, I've I've cut down going on the feed by at least ninety five percent. Wow, you you've sanitized it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like my own little like selfish universe of like just I respond to my shit, no one else's, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I'll yeah. get you know I'll get baited into some bullshit sometimes just because I'm like, oh god. But I'm a. Ama- I started to do that, man. That the whole like it was a it was a self mental self preservation move because I was realizing. I would go onto Facebook and I would scroll through and it had just become a forum for most people are just kind of upset about things in the world. And it's just a forum for people to piss and moan about what they're not liking and they want other people to join in. And it's just sort of, it was 
toxic for me. I just kept thinking like this boy, this spirals my mood down pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and I just got in the habit of, you know, not going on the feed and, and calling my friends if I wanted to talk to them and just be like, what's happening with you? You know, I'd rather hear about, yeah. even if there's something ugly, I'd rather hear about it one-on-one. Um, but yeah, man, I hear you. You know, I love your posts when you, when you put them up. I'm always like, yes. I'm like, yes, yeah, some nature shit that you got up. I'm always like, yeah, man. And I've loved yeah. watching your evolution and all the things that you've done over the years. You know, I've, I've always appreciated that from the time I met you, you always had a very diligent work ethic. You were like, I'll take any job, you know, just, just to work. Yeah. And it's such an admirable trait. And as such, it's also led you around in some pretty cool circles. You know, you've got such an eclectic background, which is why I always thought it was one of the things I wanted to hang out with you right away. When we were at SNS, when we first met and you were coming in the back and you were cooking and then you're like, yeah, I play in death metal. And, you know, I play in a death metal band and, uh, but you also, you were so damn nice. And then you went and you got into bouncing and then you got into this outdoor education thing. And I was like, God, what a cool random tapestry you've got, but it's been cohesive, man. It, like, it, like the things have all fed one another in some weird way, you know, like I've, I've seen yeah. how they've all connected you. Can you go back to that piece, um, about how you said that your bouncing is what got you the job? Like, Oh, what yeah. did, what did you mean by so, that? Um, well, one of the things on my resume is, uh, you know, it says um, kind of like under the, the, the skills area um, of like unique skills you have. Mm-hmm. Um, it says verbal Aikido. <laughs> um, so, verbal Aikido. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm uh, that if there's one martial art that I can say I'm pretty proficient in. It's verbal Aikido. Yeah. Uh, I can diffuse situations. So. Um, that's kind of like what this organization needs right now is somebody who's going to have tough conversations with people. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and yeah. And also recognize risk, (laughs) whether it's urban or, you know, wilderness risk. Mm -hmm. I got my swivel, my, my swivel on everywhere. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would say, too, like, I mean, a lot of different, like I said, jack of all trades, master of some. I I apprenticed as a hardwood floors person. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have some basic construction knowledge. I um, I ran chainsaws in Mendocino. Uh, um, playing in bands, like, I was a coordinator before I was a coordinator. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of logistics to, to going on. Uh, to do shows and sure. teamwork and communication and um yeah but but as far as the bouncing thing yeah that's really where they're they're at with that they're like okay well this person um can deal with uh crisis situations yeah. in real time and formulate formula formulate a pl- an action plan right away you know yep um so it, yeah that's pretty much like I, it's not on my resume. Like, it's not like, oh, he, I, I bounced at these places in these years. It's just like, you know, uh, I think I have like nine years door experience right. on there, you right, know, like, right. like, um, a verbal Aikido, like, you know, mm-hmm. and then I say like something like, um, squad, 
uh, single door guy and, and concert based security, you know, so. Right. Um, it's, it's just one of those traits that you have. Real quick story about kind of, I'm glad we, we brought it back around to bouncing because um, this is one of those, uh, a story where I shocked myself on the a level of acute hyper-awareness um, uh, of, of, of what, so, so uh, this was when I was working at downtown Oakland, one of the roughest bars, uh, radio, mm-hmm. um, on 13th and Broadway, a lot of shit. I saw a kid get blasted in the head, like all kinds of crazy oh. shit happened, like across the street, like yeah, not good. this was a notorious yeah. uh, spot. Um, and uh, about this one night, I came in, 8 o'clock, um, and I remember it must have been around the fall or winter because it was dark, and everything in this bar is red, you know, mm-hmm. coming out of it. When I'm out front, I'm on, uh, I'm on the street, and I look down about a block and a half, and all you can see is amber streetlights, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a guy walking a, a block and a half away. He's walking towards me. And I noticed his, his, his uh, gape in his walk, his, mm-hmm. his certain strut. Um, and I thought to myself, man, that looks like Kyle Gass from a Notorious, uh, uh, what's that group? You know, uh, Jack Black's group. Um, Tenacious D? Tenacious D, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that looks like uh, the other guy. To Kyle Gass, right? <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've been a fan. I've seen him yeah. enough on videos. Yeah, and uh, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I kind of, you know, I smoked cigarettes at the time. I was smoking whatever, looking around, and then he gets closer and closer, and it's Kyle fucking Gass. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and he gets into a cab. He walks right by me. I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? And he's like, hey, and gets in a cab and then these people come out and i'm like hey guys it's kyle gas in that cab right there and he's like yeah you know yeah like, waving they're like hey kyle like you know so i got them to like affirm the fact that it was <laughs> it was it was kyle kyle gas but that's awesome um, my whole point about that is like like my, my ability to see body language is that wired yeah to where i can i should be a freaking police officer you know like yeah i can see like i saw that that dude was kyle gas in a silhouette a block and a half away yep um and just instinctually knew it you know um so yeah i i think that that's a skill that somehow I acquired. I don't know how I'm going to be using it in the future, but <laughs> man, the way I always see it, the way I always see it, man, it's a holdover from, you know, instinctual, just instincts, man, instinctual yeah. response. You know I mean? I think like that wasn't a threat, but I mean, I've, I'm the same way, man. I'm highly visual. You know, I, I will yeah. recognize a person's gait and movement before I'll recognize anything, even from a distance. I can tell, like, if it same thing, a shadow or a silhouette, I can tell by the way they walk. And you can pick up, a lot of, pick up on a lot of people's intentions when they walk, too. You can tell if it, a lot of times if a person is it's a savory character or unsavory character just by the way their body moves. Um, you know, if their head's and tw- also, twitching around oh, and they, and just, they look, you know, twitchy, you're like, yeah, you can just tell. It's a, it's a good skill to have, man, to be alert, to pay attention 
to those yeah. nuances. You know, I think it's a great and, skill. And also like people's actual ability. I've noticed that also through, through guiding and backpacking mm-hmm. the way people walk, you know, like if they favor a certain, you know, side or, yep. Yeah. Just different kinds of things like that. Um, I'm hyper aware of also, you know, um, yeah, just through experience. Yeah. Instincts. Do you, I think there was a guy, there was a Japanese guy that used to bus glasses at one of the bars you worked at. And you would, you would said to me one night, you're like, I'm, you're like, this guy is just like a Kung Fu master. Like you you would always, you, you said to me one night, you're like, he's a super nice guy. And you were talking about just how he walked and you're like, there's something about his walk that just makes me think this guy knows something. And you, and we, we pointed out and we talked about it at length. And one of the things that, you know, we talked about that night and that I've seen over the years too, there's a certain way a lot of martial artists walk too. And they'll sort of wait that when they walk, they weight one leg very heavily as they walk. It's not a, it's not a short hurried step. There's sort of a, like they really put one foot down and the body will have this kind of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. The, the body rotates and it's a, it's a trait that I've seen and I've watched and then I watch MMA fighters and I see them and I'm always looking for it. And, um, in the end, man, like I said, it just comes back to awareness, right? Head on a swivel in life, in bars, in the woods, you know, pay attention, <laughs> pay attention. Like just, yeah, just pay attention. But I think just it's a, it's a, attention. yeah, just pay attention, man. I think it's so, you know, these tech companies are, are paying so much to have our attention be grabbed and to take that attention and to like absorb our attention. And we're mm-hmm. losing the ability to just remember that we're in a natural environment that outside most of the world is, you know, nature and it behooves you to pay attention. So it's a, it's a good metaphor for life and living, but yeah, man, is there anything else, Mo, that you want to throw out before we wrap this up? Is there any, you know, any parting words, any things that you want to you know, polish up that we, um, touched on. Well, you never asked me about Fiji, but I guess we can get that offline. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man. Yeah. Fiji. Yeah, parting words, go to Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> God bless you, man. I've wanted to go to Fiji for years. Man. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. No, I, I just want to thank you for having me. I've been a, yeah, a fan did. of the show, so uh, I appreciate <laughs> it. I hope I can come back and and we could talk about some maybe uh, as a more comfortable some woo woo stuff, you know. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I welcome the woo woo, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, to the, to the listeners out there, um, I guess the the main thing is you know I I've had a um, really s- awesome career path. Uh, it's been through a lot of hard work. Like Gray you said, I I I have a work dedication. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or work ethic that that isn't as strong as it used to be, but it's gotten me to here. Yes, <laughs> you know, you needed um, a break, man. You needed a break. You've earned it. Yeah. yeah. There, there were some times that it was yeah, two, three shifts of different kinds mm-hmm. of work. You know, I was grinding, but um, uh, that's what I had to do because I don't have the college degree. So yeah. I guess that's what I want to say is um, for anybody listening who doesn't have that or um has been questioning if that's like something they need to pursue um it's not for everybody and i think if you put intention and uh create you know just think positively about what you want and how you're going to help other people through that positivity 
um, like coming from a not selfish place, mm-hmm. then really like that whole cheesy secret thing, it, it can work for you. Um, you yeah. know, you can create intention and it, it open up in the universe for you. Um, and then, yeah, I think the last thing is probably, yeah, what we took out of all of this and that's like have balance with your yawn, your, mm-hmm. your, your, your cheese, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and and if that's through one artistic endeavor or another, if you replace one for another, it's fine. But yeah, to just have your yin and your yang, like like try to keep that keep that rolling. Yeah, man, know? it's important for everybody, and it's um, we forget all too often. You know, we're pretty much all yang, all activity, all go 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 with a, with mm-hmm. a, with not a lot of softness or expression, and um, it's important. You know, you want to keep you want to keep yeah. life online. You're gonna to have to play with those those principles at some point. At least I always think so. <laughs> right. Well, um, so Mo, if they want to, if people want to, you know, check you out on Facebook or you know social media or anything. Are you, I know so Malik Busby is your is your you know title on Facebook. That's your full name. Malik um, James, I think. Malik Malik J Busby, yeah. Malik J Busby, um, and then are you on Instagram as well? I think it's Malik B. At, um, at, at Malik yeah. B. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool, man. Well, Mo, thank you for, for doing this, man. And thank you for, you know, dropping in on um, all the cool stuff that you've done just in terms of, you know, living and career and just kind of giving those those backstories, man. I was curious about it. And I think, you know, it's always good to hear from people from different walks of life who can, you know, glean some um, some wisdom from the things they've done, you know, because we, we all walk pretty different paths. And I, I've always liked your path. I'm like, yeah, man, you've got, you know, I've, I've pulled a lot of medicine out of your your living. You know, I've definitely taken some some key gems along the way. So it's good, man. Thanks. Yeah. I'm I'm honored to uh, to be part of the conversation, Gray. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you bet, man. Well, thanks again, Mo. And um, we'll have you back on at some point soon, man. Okay, sounds good. All right, man. Peace. Peace.